How old were you when you moved to LA? I was 23. Did you know anyone here? I knew one person. How much money did you have? I had $200 in my pocket. I distinctly <laughs> remember that. Where did you live when you got here? I lived in my friend's living room on a mattress on Bentley Avenue off Santa Monica in West LA. And what was your first job in LA? I worked at Johnny Rockets in Westwood, which was the second Johnny Rockets ever in America. What was your initial impression of LA? I visited in on my birthday weekend, which is May 10th in 87. And the second, I before I moved here in October of 87. And as soon as the plan, plane landed or descended into LAX, I was like, this is my city. I just knew it. I felt it right oh, away. Wow. It's where I wanted to be. How many years did it take you to get your first job in the industry? Less than two. How many years did it take you of living in LA until you felt like it was home? I went pretty quickly. I would say about <laughs> one or two. If you had to sum LA up in one word, what would it be? Possibility. We're so excited to be talking to Sam Pancake today. If you watch TV, which I assume that you do, you have gotten to enjoy Sam on one of many, many comedies, including Will and Grace, Friends, The King of Queens, The Gilmore Girls, Arrested Development, Documentary Now, The Mick, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, where Larry David famously called Sam a cunt in the middle of a poker game. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It happened. Um, we also loved Sam on the cult classic show Love Springs International, which was fully improvised, by the way. And if you like to laugh, then you like Sam Pancake. Sam is fun, he's open, and he is wickedly hilarious. <laughs> we are so grateful to have Sam Pancake on the podcast today. Yes. Sam, thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Thank you for coming. I'm open. That could mean so many things. <laughs> Not all of them favorable. <laughs> I am open. Come on over. No reservations needed. Let's start at the beginning, Sam. Sure. Did you uh, did you always know you wanted to be an actor, like from I, a young age? I always did. Yeah. My um my mom said that they, and this is one of my earliest memories. They took me to see, um, a, a screening of Mary Poppins, the movie, and I and it must have been a re-release because I'm not that old. But uh -huh. They because so they used to do that. Used to roll, Disney used to roll things out every couple of years, but I was um they I was two and they thought I would fall asleep and my mom said Aww. I stood up on my chair. And put my hands on the chair in front of me and just stared like pie-eyed <laughs> the whole time. And I remember that when I was like totally hypnotized by Mary Poppins. And then I remember going to this county fair in West Virginia. And they had one of those like old-timey melodramas with the mustache twirling villain. And the, uh -huh. the, oh, yeah. the girl on the giant sawmill thing yeah, about yeah. to get sewn up. Like it, it was really broad and kind of like, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, like almost Commedia dell'arte. And I remember just being riveted by it. Like... In, in this little, you know, like in a, literally in a barn at this county fair. Oh, my God. And I was like, I don't know, something inside me jumped around. And then I went through, like, I wanted to be an archaeologist or an architect, but the math and that was too much. And so I <laughs> I, just, I took the easy way out, being an actor, because I'm smart. I love that about Mary Poppins, because I feel like every single actor has has that like for me it was chorus line oh yeah you know, like we all have that that day that we were watching something and as you said what did you say like something something lit up inside you or something, something just uh, yeah something just lit some, up it yeah, charged yeah, me somehow yeah. 
I think something that you just said, which is also really cool to hear, is how when you came to LA, you felt connected to it right away, which you actually don't hear most people say. Yeah, it's true. So what made you decide to come out to LA? Like, what was that point in your process as an actor where you were like, I need to be in LA now? Beyond acting, it was, I wanted to get out of my small, really yeah. boring town. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In West Virginia, and I'm gay, and there was not a place for people like yeah. me. Yeah. And I wanted to be in a big city where I could, you know, meet, <laughs> be with other gay people and feel safe. Sure. Yeah, and course. I knew in college, I people I went to West Virginia, West Virginia University to, uh, which is just a big state university, but it really was a really good theater school, actually. And I got really good theater training, and a lot of people f that I went to school with went to either New York or Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I always was like, and it's in Morgantown, West Virginia, which was so rainy and cold a lot of the time. In fact, my older sister who lives in Seattle always says, I don't know why Seattle gets the bad rap because Morgantown is so much rainier <laughs> wow. and grayer. It's also can be beautiful, but Ugh. I was like, I, if I'm going to starve and struggle, it's going to be in the sun. You yeah, know? yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I was like, I always, always wanted to, you know, I dreamed of being in movies and TV shows ever since I was really little. So, and also, you know, again, LA was really far away from home. Yeah. I'm fine with my parents and all that experience now, but I just wanted to get as far away as possible. A lot of people say that, yeah. that we talk to. Oh, it's yeah, okay. like a, it's a place to come and sort of create your own yeah. life. Yeah. And, yeah, 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 exactly. So what were the first few years like when you were here? It was very exciting. I remember one in, in some aspects, it was like little Sammy's first experience <laughs> with like being a little gay young boy, <laughs> drugs, rock, you know, right, sex, drugs right, and rock sure. and roll. It's all yeah. out here, whatever uh -huh, you want. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this was 1987. And I... You know, I got here, I knew this one friend that I went to college with. I crashed on with her for like six weeks and moved in with this really great girl named Hillary Gallinoy, and we're still good friends on Facebook. Aww. Yeah. And she and I <laughs> were roommates. So cool. And I, I've been very fortunate in that this is gonna sound I there's no way to make this sound humble. But um <laughs> people I just seem to like, I don't know, charm my way through or something. I don't know. People have always been very good to me. But I always look for, I enjoy people and I look for the good in people and as bitchy and as like eye rolling and you know, sarcastic as I can be, that I've always just really wanted to enjoy life and enjoy people. Yeah. And I think that's really helped. So then I, I started working at Johnny Rockets and, um, as also, a waiter, as a waiter. Uh -huh. And, um, which then it was like, there were only two and the Johnny Rockets on Melrose was like the center of the hip universe. Melrose used to be the <laughs> oh center God. of the universe in the eighties and early nineties. And then I was at the second Johnny Rockets in Westwood, which now Johnny Rockets just feels like almost like McDonald's with, you know, right. a jukebox. <laughs> but anyway, so, but that was really cool. And I got to wait on like, I remember Henry Winkler. Mm -hmm. That was a cool wow. thing. He played the, he was a, on a series in the seventies, <laughs> Camille called Happy Days. He was giant. When we were little, he was giant. For sure. And the cool thing about that was I got to wait on him then. And then years later, I played his assistant on Arrested Development. Oh, oh that's right. And I also raised. Did you tell him? I did. I did oh. tell him because he's one of the nicest men in the world. That's so And amazing. I remember waiting on like back then, just like it was, I was new in town. I was like waited on like Laura Dern and Kyle McLaughlin and, yeah. and John Ritter yeah. and Jacqueline Smith, who was one of the Charlie's Angels, who these are, and Patty Duke, yeah. who we lost recently, just like people that I grew up watching. And, and John Larroquette, who was, do you remember him on Night yeah, Court? He's course, in lots of, of course. Of course. And then I later worked with him on Kitchen Confidential playing a waiter to him. And I oh told him that God. story, which That's was pretty so funny. Great. And I remembered how, what a good tipper he was. He guest starred on that show and I was like, it was a pretty cool experience. So, wow. but what happened to me, and I don't know how it is now, and I'm curious to find out what, 
you guys can tell me about this. People always say, you know, how did you get into it? How did you start getting jobs? And I, when I was working at Johnny Rockets, my friend who I was, had been roommates with, but was still friends with, who I crashed at her place, did work study at this place called PAG, which was a professional artist group, even though it was just a casting facility. They mm-hmm. rented rooms to, to commercial casting directors. Yeah. And I started doing work study there for classes. And, um, which literally typing bills and stuff, like typing on a typewriter. Oh That's how long God. ago it was. And then you would do four hours wow. a week of work. And then you get four hours a week of class. And that's where I got my first agent, manager, commercial, um, all that stuff. It just sort of like, it was that young, that thing of being young and and just thinking everything was possible. Yeah. Looking back now, and I got my SAG card. I got Taft Hartley, obviously, first. And they got my SAG card. Everything by 1990. So everything within like, and I moved at the end of 87. So everything was in two years. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah I guess so. And that then, is um, really amazing. And my first commercial I booked was a for an English-speaking school in Japan. <laughs> and because uh, there were a lot more Japanese production companies then. And uh-huh. I did like three or four Japanese commercials in a row. And the first one I did for this school was with Casper Van Dien, who went on uh-huh. to be on Starship Troopers. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he was such a nice guy. It was one of It was my first job and one of his first jobs, too. Oh my we were playing gosh. touch football together at Rancho <laughs> Park across in the Fox lot. I'll never forget <laughs> with a bunch of other actors too. Yeah. I love that. I love like, well, first of all, I love that you were so like, essentially you were on scholarship at this mm-hmm. place. You were like working yeah. for, yeah. Now I don't know if there are places like that now, but I, I'm sure there are things like that. that well, there are like, you can work at the casting director workshops. I know people that are like readers, like there's, yes. there's yeah, versions like of that, but I love that. And I also love the thing you said about, cause we, you know, we love finding sort of like the themes of these podcasts uh. and like, you know, you say that it's that you're not being humble because you friends. And you, you know what I mean. I know what you mean by what you were saying, but like I, I never was comfortable making friends to get ahead yeah. or making yeah. friends in positions. All of these happened organically. Yeah. And I remember having some friends who were like, oh, I'm going to befriend that person because they can help me. And that felt so gross yes. to me, to my yes. little Southern, respectful, polite soul. Yeah. And I'm not perfect. I can be a terrible person. No, I can be, I've lost not. friendships. I've had <laughs> things end badly. But overall, I like to think that I'm, you know, that I am a good friend yeah. and will continue to be a good friend. And then things fall into place eventually. And um, and then helping others is really important. And see, that was the other thing I did. I used to go to those casting workshops as an actor when mm-hmm. I was, because that was kind yeah. of the classes we work studied for. And so I met like, I met the casting director of Wings, Sheila Guthrie, and I got my first TV job on Wings. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate that people brought me, people, the ca- Slow down, Sam. <laughs> this, is, this is me on my, yeah, this is just welcome to me. Um, my therapist always says, no one's chasing you with a knife. Just, just no hurry. Um, but are they? Like, this is me. still think I'm being chased by rednecks in West Virginia. Um, calm down. Uh, so what was I saying? Oh, so I took the casting director workshops and people brought me in. So later on when I, I, I went from working at the casting facility and then one of the casting directors there, Mick Dowd, he said, do you want to come be my, associ- my assistant and then associate? And yeah, I did. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. You, cast, yeah. you cast for a while. Yeah, I yeah. did. I worked in casting. He was a, I was so fortunate. He was a wonderful boss and a wonderful mentor. And he was um, also an older gay man who was really good to me, which back in that time when I was in my 20s, I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. I didn't have because there were AIDS. Yeah. Uh, people were dying. Men were a lot of people were mostly in the closet, especially if they were actors. Yeah. So I was fortunate to have him as an older gay man who was a mentor to me, and I try to do that now for young for other for 
anybody, but also young gay men, because I didn't have that. And so that's a way I want to give back if I can. Yeah. And I also when I was um, a casting person, I made sure to bring people in that, who were good that I yeah. met in those casting workshops because there'll be like, you know, out of 12 people, there'll be like maybe three who have any chance of a yeah. whisper of a possibility. Yeah, yeah you right. know, Sadly. <laughs> yeah. So, and I was like, here's the other thing. And I learned later in my, you know, different spiritual practices, it's kind of a thing. Like I always knew I'd make it. I don't know why. Yeah. I just knew it. I didn't believe it. I didn't like dream it. I didn't hope it. I did all those things too. I mean, but yeah, yeah. I just knew it. Yeah. And I gave myself no plan B. I had a plan B because I worked in casting. Yeah. So I just kind That's of not like. not really a plan B because it's still no. in the business. <laughs> yeah. You know? Exactly. It's like, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not like you were an accountant. Yeah. And much to my parents' chagrin. Yeah. I yeah. never had a plan B. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know how I did it, especially being gay and out. That's that's a whole different podcast. Podcast, yeah. We can talk about We can do that yeah, another time. Like yeah, that. yeah. That would be great. So that's been my, um, my journey. I would love to talk a little about, because I think it would be so helpful to so many actors, the one-man shows that you've done. Um, I mean, I've seen many of them, and yeah. you're amazing. Thank and, you. But I think it's something so many actors think about doing, but it feels so daunting. Yeah. And then they wonder, like, is it is it worth it in terms of what you get out of it? So I'd love to know, like, what your do, you know do, you, do have you done it for sort of your your actor soul, or do you do it because you think it really leads to bookings, or like what's your it's interesting process? Not, I the first time I did it, and yeah. the first one that you saw yeah. that one about my childhood. Oh my god, it was incredible! Thank you. Incredible. Um, and I um I had this manager yeah. who was. He was a really good guy, not a lot of clout, but mm-hmm. he really was on my team and my side, yeah, yeah. which is not always the case with managers, yeah. one finds out. Yeah. <laughs> and it was about, um, it was, this would have been around 2000, and so many people done one-man shows in the 90s, they really came into their own, yeah. it seemed like every, you know, every third person on the street, come to my one-man shows, varying degrees <laughs> of quality. Yeah. And so I kind of had that judgment about it. And I'd been doing a lot of sketch and character. And, like, I had told enough people these stories of my childhood, which I thought was just, I thought were normal. <laughs> people were like, no, no, no. People were raised in this weird 19th century post-Civil War slash redneck and named Pancake, you know, yeah. bizarre world. <laughs> Uh, so I, and then this manager said to me, <laughs> uh, he scared me into, cause I was like dragging my feet on doing a one man show. And he said, you're going to be 40 soon. And no one's going to give a shit about you. You've got to <laughs> put a one man show up. And I did that show. And from that David Steinberg, who happened to direct that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode yeah. came to it. And long story short, I did get a TV deal out of it, but I wow. get this wow. youngsters. I ended up <laughs> passing on it. Why? And this is when I had nothing. All the reasons we pass on things. Yeah. No money, two-year hold. Yeah. I didn't like the way my family was being treated in the, their version of it. Yeah. I had very little creative control, but they were using all my material. Yeah. It's a, I'm very yeah. grateful for all of it. It was a very good learning experience, and I ended up passing on it, wow. which didn't make some of the people happy, but I'm, I I know I made the right decision. I'll tell you more off, off camera. About <laughs> went down. So then I started doing them more for my actor soul. And now, since I got sober five years ago, I really am more doing it for my actor's soul. And I can make some money. Now that I'm a little bit more, more well-known, and we have a, uh, the theater in, um, you know, Casita yeah. del Campo, the yeah. Cavern Club in Silver Lake, where we also do the Golden Girls Live and other really fun, campy shows. Yeah. And I do shows with my sometimes comedy, comedy partner, Drew Drogi. Um uh, We can make a little bit of money there. Yeah. You know? So I've been doing, now I have three shows. 
One is the one you've seen, which is now titled The Head is Not Reliable, which is about my childhood. One is called Wasted on a Boy, which is about my 25 years being an out gay actor in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the third one I'm doing in New York this weekend, which will be in the past when y'all hear this, but I'll, I'll do it again. It's called Hot, Sticky, and Sweet. And it's just broad crazy characters yeah that oh my I God. do well the thing is and like a lot of like from like it. other performers and drag queens I know they're like have a, always have a suitcase show yeah. which is yeah. just something you can put in a bag and tour around if you need to yeah. so that's another reason to do it yeah oh it's so great oh my god I love good one person shows Me too. they're so fantastic you have to come the next time I will come the next how time how long does it take you to to put one of these together well here's what I meant to say earlier my manager because I was like I don't know how to do this yeah. back in the day he's like He's like, five stories, 10 minutes each with laughs, that's an hour. He's like, wow, you got five stories, 10 minutes each. What a great tip. I just yeah, told someone that, that the other day. Someone wrote me after they saw me because I did The Head is Not Reliable a couple weeks yeah. ago. And I said, this is all. You, that, and that's your starting point. And it you fill up that hour so quickly because you don't want it to be more than an hour. Yeah. No one man show should be more no. than an hour. If it goes to 110, 115, fine. But it's it just, you know, it, it's, I've been to someone, one person shows that it's like two hours and it's like, you just end up hating the person. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how quote unquote good it might be. You just want to be, you're enough. Yeah, yeah. So leave them wanting more and then do part two and make more yeah. money, you know, or tour that around. So yeah, it's just five stories. Five stories, 10 minutes each. Like, that's brilliant. And it's so what many. A, yeah, that's a great way to, that's a great way to approach. break it down. And that was my, my old manager, Seth Feldman. Yeah, he said that. And I was like, wow. And it came together. Yeah. Even as fast as I talk, like it didn't take that much, you know, to fill up an hour. And when you say it led to Curb, what, what? I was already going to do the show and I'd done Curb. I forget the timeline. I I remember shooting that one, the poker game one of Curb, because I did too. I think that was in the spring of 2001. And I met David Steinberg on that. And then he came to see the one man show, which I did either the summer or fall of 2001. I think I could be wrong on the timeline. Yeah. But then, because it, it was in 2000, I started I, I started um, writing the show. Oh, and here's the other tip. You have to pick a date. Like, book a theater, pick a date, and stick to it. Yeah. Terrify yourself into writing it. Tell oh. everyone and shame yourself, you know, if you <laughs> don't great. do it. Have I a couple times booked a date and then dropped it? Yes. <laughs> For the new one. So, um, but, um, yeah, so David Steinberg saw that. And he and his, whoever his like production partner at the time were like, and then it was a very long process of meeting with people at Telepictures over at Warner Brothers and just this long, it was a whole like two year process for it all came, until it all came together. Right. And it was just one of those big kind of heartbreaks like, oh, this could be my big chance. But I, there were lots of good reasons to pass on yeah. it. Believe yeah. Believe me. Yeah. So there's that. And you listen to your gut, which yes. is really, yeah. which is a really important thing here, I would say. Yeah. And oh, I also listened to my manager who was yeah. hungry for me to do anything to say, you cannot take this deal. Yeah. Wow. wow. How wonderful. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, I think maybe you can talk a little bit about that too, since you had this experience. But I think when you do come out here, there's this sense of like, I got to do everything and everything right away. Yeah. You know, or not everything and everything, anything, anything and, everything. and everything right yeah. away. And if I don't, it's not going to happen, or this is going to be my break, or this is, you know, it's yeah. like it's this It's weird. You just never energy. know. Like, who am I to say no yeah. to something? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think early on, and in many cases, you should say yes, especially at the beginning. And I've had teachers, an acting teacher who I respect say, unless people are chasing you down the street for your autograph, 
you need to say no. I don't, you, you never, you should never say no. You should no. never say no. Yeah. yeah. I don't always agree with that. And maybe it's because I'm older now, mm-hmm. but there's also great power in no, which mm-hmm. I learned from our friend Lauren mm-hmm. Graham. Yes. Because I, she's one of our friends who yeah. we both run things past, yeah. you know, yeah. it's good to have a friend like that yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but this manager at the time was like, he laid it out for me. And yeah. as hungry as I was, and as much as I wanted to, you know, tell my friends and yeah. I yeah. did this thing. It was also... And this is one of the reasons, and when I do the one about my childhood, um, I would never want my parents to see it. I will just do it in LA or in mm-hmm. New York. It would really hurt their feelings. Mm-hmm. And so, and this sounds really grim, but until they die, I'm not going to do a TV thing. Yeah. People are always like, why don't you put this on TV? Why don't you make this a series? Why don't you write? And I may write a book, but um, not everything has to be a TV series. Yeah, that's you know? right. And that's the way people think here, and that's great. And of course, I have other ideas for series, but I don't think that I want to exploit my family's pain yeah. to, to do a series of this. But anyway, and that was another part of the earlier one where like they wanted like a man to play my mother and like make it a real that would destroy my mother. Yeah. yeah. Even even if it was remotely like her, you know, yeah. it would just be very hurtful. I for think her. that's so hard for a lot of artists because we you do, you pull from what you have. Yeah. You pull from so many people pull from their family and their background. Yeah. But yeah. I think this is a very common thing of yeah. like how how much how far can you go yeah. and yeah. And well, it's a conversation in my family anyway because my sister Anne's a writer, a novelist, and a short story writer. And she's really well known for people who follow like Appalachian literature. And she her book of short stories is very much based on family incidents. And I'm fine with it. And there's a character of me in some of the stories, and mm-hmm. she cleared it with me. But there's another story about a brother of mine who has a lot of problems. And it's a very complicated family issue, mm-hmm. and some people in the family are not okay with it. Yeah, yeah, kind of reminds me of the Glass Menagerie when, yes, <laughs> yeah. you know, it is like that when his mom went to go see the play and was just like, yeah, 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 oh, right, wow, <laughs> yeah. This? I didn't realize that. There's a great um, biography of Tennessee Williams, and it talks about how his mom went to go see the play and was just like. Because the Glass Menagerie is exactly his story. Oh wow! And yeah. you think he's so brilliant. And then you realize when you read this book that everything that he's putting on stage is exactly from his, mm-hmm. his I mean, I life. think that's probably true of most writers. Things, yeah. For, you know? for yeah. all artists, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I always, Even like the music that people are yeah. writing. And, yeah. Back to the one-man show, What uh, do you have a director when you do it or do you direct yourself? One... The one when I did Wasted on a Boy, I had my friend Drew Drogi direct it to the degree that he came in and took a look at it. I should have a director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not... <laughs> Everything I do is... It's written, but it's also a lot of improv, and I give yeah. myself room to ramble and throw in a joke or a tangent, yeah. which I used to kind of beat myself up for, but now I realize it's a part of my charm. <laughs> no, it's, just a, it's just a part of my it process, is. Is. you know, and people seem to be okay with it. If I were take, if I were to take these shows to the next level, I, um, I would hire a director, someone I trusted. I just have this fear that I, cause I've had so many bad theater directors in LA, um, really really hurt things that I've been in that I had no say over that I'm very precious about it. Um, that then again, like that's, you know, I need to be able to be open to be directed too. So, but not if it's a thing you're making yourself. And because the way, like I'm doing the show this weekend in New York where I do these three different characters. I have, I've had two different shows of it taped. I've done it like eight times before. So I sit and watch myself, which is really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. And for this last (laughs) one, I sit and watch myself and give myself, just write down notes and take the notes, you know? And I don't know that like, 
I, that's working for me for now. Mm -hmm. I think if I were to put it in bigger spaces and ask, charge people more money, yes, I would definitely have uh, someone direct it. But in a, in a way, it, with the theater where we work, it's, you know, sorry, everyone who paid 15 bucks, but it's also kind of a workshop. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's always, yeah. they know it's kind of work in progress, <laughs> Yeah, you know. And you'll be entertained. It's only an hour and you can drink margaritas in the theater. So like, right. you know, it's right. cheaper than the arc light. So <laughs> right. also kind of a workshop. Everybody wins, question mark. You know. Do you, for the for the first show that you did, are you actually doing caricatures? Like have you created, or not caricatures, but characters that you've created? Or is it you basically telling the story mostly? The, the ones about my life, it's just me as me telling okay. the story. And I'll drop into voices. Like I did okay. my mother and some like local people and the one about my childhood. And, and I'll, I'll like do the character of a casting person who told me something or a director or whatever when I do the show about Hollywood. But in the one I'm doing, the one that's called Sam Pancake, Hot, Sticky, and Sweet, I'm three d very different, very broad characters. How awesome. Yeah. How did you develop those characters or how did you think of them? Well, one came from... Uh, one's a drag queen character and with the advent of drag lately this all this RuPaul's Drag Race stuff and there's so many pretty like just lip syncing queens and I've known people like Jackie Beat and Sherry Vine and and lip sync and other people forever who are the old school queens who really sing like Jackie and Sherry have really good voices and they really sing so I was always like I never took the path of just being a drag queen which I could have done and I'm like I want to do a character who's a southern a beautiful southern drag queen because I also have this fairly new friend, Gio, who I did the podcast with, who does my makeup. He's really into that. So the first time he did my, he did my makeup, I was like, ah, oh, beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to find a place for this lady. <laughs> so I came up with this, God, like, I'm she's, good looking. Yeah, damn. God damn. The, the secret is the tapes, the face tapes. Uh, oh, and really? And of course, I shave my beard. I have a beard now, but I shave my beard. So I did this, like, just this. Where does the tape go? Like, back. You. Oh, honey, it's a dream. It's like two here and two here, and they're hooked. It's like what you, Lucille Ball and the old ladies used to wear back in the yeah. day, and they still do. And you just pull it back, and you tape it over your wig cap. Shut or up. Or in your hair. Honey, have you ever seen I didn't even you? know that was oh something. God. You're young. You don't need to know. <laughs> but I said to one of our actress friends, I was like, I never want to take these off. And she was like, honey, none of us do. Why would you want to? <laughs> I love, I love the, I love what you said at the beginning about this one about, um, in a suitcase, like having a show suitcase that you can, show, yeah, yeah. And it reminds me of Ross who we work with, um, also, uh, who's right now on a cruise doing mm -hmm. a show and it's the same thing. Like he's got, yeah. he and his partner have some comedy show that they, that they, I love Do that term tour. though, that they, yeah. that they can pull out of a suitcase. That's I really so only heard it this pat in the past couple of years, but yeah. it's, it's been around forever. Yeah. Like to, you know, I think that's a good, like, that's also a good tip to actors that are interested in like sketch and improv and stand up, like yeah. create a show yeah. that can, that you can yeah. put in a suitcase. It's a really good, yeah. or taking a suitcase around. or whatever. Yeah. 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 You don't need that much. No. Right. You really don't. Um, improv. I'd love to hear more about your experience with improv because you are so good at it. Oh, you're very good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, just hearing you talk, obviously, I oh, could listen nice. all day. Oh, weirdly, I never did any of the schools. Like, I never you did didn't. Groundlings. Okay. I never did. Well, UCB wasn't around when I was a youngin, but, um, or second, I didn't do Second City or I didn't do Iowa West. I was always intimidated by that. And a lot of my friends, all my friends did Groundlings in the 90s and many went on to, you know, yeah. SNL and stuff. But I was always like, uh, I blamed it on like it's too expensive and I don't want to get cut like at the end I don't I've already right. been through a program where people got cut every semester I don't want to do that <laughs> yeah you know and it was really just my insecurity and my ego and I didn't want to back then my uh 
<laughs> my my tiny my giant fragile ego could mm-hmm. not have handled being cut from something um but I Which just is like ironic because you never would have been cut. No. That's nice anyway, of you to say. We don't true. know that. But uh, so luckily, a group of friends, I did a lot of different sketch shows um, with and uh, different life. We did different life stage versions of things like Facts of Life, where I played Blair. And we oh did St. Elmo's Fire, life stage version. And this movie, Fo- the Jodie Foster movie, Foxes, all kinds of fun things. And this is a group of people who were from the Annoyance Theater who did the Real Life Brady Bunch way back in the day. Right, right. One of which is Jill Soloway, now creator of right. Transparent. Wow. A lot of those folks work on Transparent. But we, and, and a mix of Second City people, and we all did these sketch shows. Um, and then in 97, we formed a sketch group. And that's, and we developed all of our sketches through improv. And that's where I really sharpened my claws is that the right term? Yeah, sure. Sharpen my claws for improv. And then I started doing, we started doing that in 97, 98. And then I just, I didn't even mean to really be a comedian. I know that sounds ridiculous, but uh, we all started getting like auditions for like Mad TV. And every yeah. year we'd yeah. all have to have five characters through the door at Mad TV. And you had to develop those characters. And so I ended up doing this like big ABC pilot that didn't go sketch pilot with Wayne Brady in 2000. And we had to, and he's like the master of improv. And so were his friends that were hired. And I learned a lot there. And then I started getting things like Curb, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, but it helped my audition for Curb just to, just to like go into one specific story about friends. Yeah. I had gone to college for two years with Cheryl Hines. Yeah. I, at WVU, I knew Jeff Garland through all those Chicago people I had done the sketch show with mm-hmm. because we would have a special guest star. It was the sketch group is called Margot's Bush, and we would do it every week. We'd write new material. Great time. It was like 97, 98, 99, <laughs> on and off until like 2001. And we would have a special guest star every uh, every show, like a, like a like a Sarah Silverman or a Bob Odenkirk or a Jackie Hoffman. And these were before they were bigger, as big as they are now, and like other people, including Jeff Garland. Yeah. And so when I auditioned for Kirby Enthusiasm, uh, and Richard Hicks, I'll never forget Richard Hicks and Deb Rolski, I think was Deb, were, were casting the directors. casting directors. Yeah. And they knew me. And I, Jeff was in the audition. And Cheryl was like, I'll, I'll make sure I'm in your audition too, because it's an improv audition. And you oh have one God. slip of paper. So scary. And it's Larry, Jeff, and Cheryl. Oh my and so God. knowing That's Jeff amazing. and Cheryl Calms was, you down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so that was great. Oh my God. Uh, is that show all improv? Curb oh your... yeah. I didn't know Absolutely. that. Oh, I it, thought it that was. That makes me crazy. I thought people it was. Don't re- know because of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because right, like, yes, so. I wrote that with my mouth. <laughs> I'm sure many people know. I'm sure it's just me. No, but I, it, I, but I, I, I thought mean, it was. like they advertise it as well, such. Yeah. People don't understand what that means. A, a, a layman right. wouldn't understand what that even means. What is, tell us what yeah, that means. So. Improv, I mean. I mean, what does it mean when a show, I mean, obviously yeah. you don't just show up and they say oh, go. Well, so they tell you the. Yeah, well, in that my experience on that specific show, and I've done a lot like that, you. You had this one thing. Here's I remember I on that sh- that episode. The thing that I remember most are when the scene where Larry and Julia Louis Dreyfus come in to pitch me and the two other HBO execs, Alan Wasserman and the late Judy Toll, who was amazing. They came in to pitch new shows to HBO, mm-hmm. and we shot that all day. And very little of it's in the in the um in the sure. actual episode right. because mm-hmm. you always overshoot and you just know like Larry and Julia are coming in to pitch you shows and you keep going and they shoot with three cameras. And that do was, they say like you're open yeah. to the pitch or like let's do one where you shut it down. down. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's kind of hard to remember cause it was yeah. 15 years ago, but, um, yeah. but, uh, did well, they say for the thing around the table, Larry's going to call you 
Yes. Kind of, and yeah. And you need. And, yeah. And, well, ha what happened was, and this is, they did a, in the Kirby Enthusiasm book, they interviewed me for it. We were doing the whole thing. I was just amazed because there were like eight of us at that table. Yeah. And Brad Hall, Julia, Julia's husband in real life, who played himself in that, he dealt the cards and he had them all. He was really good at cards and he had them, had it arranged so we all got the same hand every time. Uh, Every time he dealt wow. it and we kick it back, he wow. would it was amazing. That's amazing. And we're playing a game called Guts and like I go in when I shouldn't. The last minute, Larry got cold feet and he was like, maybe I should just call you a pussy. Or maybe I should just call you not a, not a, it wasn't a faggot. It wasn't that. It was just like, and everyone was like, or a bitch. And yeah. I was like, everyone was like, no. Yeah. No one would like. No one would react to that. Mm -hmm. right? the, same the C way. word is so yeah. hard. And it was even more so back then, I yeah. feel like, yeah. as, as things get more crazy and right. awful and pussy right. grabbing. But like, <laughs> but it was like me and all the women were like, you have to use the power of that word. Yeah, yeah. Know, or I'm not, because I end up like having a crisis and leave my marriage because it's the yeah. guy turns out to be gay and it's based on an actual guy. Uh huh. Oh, I didn't character. know that. Yes. Who actually in real life is not actually gay, but who everyone always, who knows? Okay. Wow. I'll tell you later who that is. <laughs> but he was a couple of people, but mostly based Dun -dun -dun. on this one, this one executive that they knew. And so uh, at the table, yeah, the, we all said you have to say cotton. Then he said cotton, and it was you know, again, that was one of the first things. Now everything has two or three cameras, but that was early. That was one of the first things. It was digital. It was all you yeah. know, three cameras at once, catching all the reactions and yeah. everything. Yeah. I yeah, love, that's a great show. Yeah. Oh, and then it's like one of those stories, show. too, where, you know, the woman who played my wife, Taya Mann, happens to be Lisa, Lisa Kudrow's cousin. And then later on went to be Courtney Cox's producing partner. So then when I booked Friends, like a couple years later, I get to the set and Jennifer Aniston's like, oh, my God, Sam Pancake. And I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> and and she said, oh, you you know, cousin Taya played your wife on Curb. We love Curb. Because that was back when, when Curb started, it was like kind of more of an insider yeah, LA yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And every, everyone in the industry watched it. Yeah. So that opened so many doors to me. Like I would go, I remember auditioning for West Wing and Tommy Schlamme said like, that's my poker game. And like a yeah. lot of other, and it kind of is based on Tommy Schlamme's poker game. Yeah. Which Lauren and Pico, Peter go to now right. sometimes. Oh my God. But I was in a bunch of different rooms and callbacks with the producers who were like, that poker game is, I at that poker game. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. my poker game game um so it was kind of magical because i got to pretend to be in a poker game i was never in in hollywood but people <laughs> treated me like i had this entree a golden ticket so and they helped me book a few little things and then God. it was cool how yeah. many episodes did you do on friends i only did two two yeah but dude it pays off so well i mean not insane yeah, but like it runs and runs and it was a different residual pay scale with our union back then for network yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's nice. I was telling Jen that I, I totally your character on Friends is one of the ones that I remember oh, all cool. the time. Thank you. Because you were so hysterical and so spot on, and it was like it was so cool. It was like, how did you do? You you came in and it was like this really funny cameo, and you just took the entire scene away. Oh, thank you. Yeah, really you're nice welcome. Of you. I, I no, don't know. it was great. Well, it was probably my sixth audition for a part on Friends, mm -hmm. and they used to do this thing, which was so hard, where you would go in for Friends, you would all go in for the part, you they would make you wait in the waiting room over at Warner Brothers, and then the casting director would come back out, and she's it was the ones that I went in for were Leslie Litt, and she's a wonderful casting person, and this is not her fault. It was just how the schedule was, right. Mm -hmm. They would say, and this is before this, when I did it before everyone had a cell phone and we were all super connected and, yeah, yeah. and all like as hooked in as we were, as we are now, but she was like, everyone wait here. And she would come back and she would say, thank you everyone for coming. Um, Brian, no. I talked to you oh. and you knew you didn't get it right in front of it. 
oh, right in front of everyone. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I had gone through enough of those, like, thank Ugh, you, everyone. Yuck. You know, it's not you today. And then the day that I finally got the one. And then the second one I did, they called me that morning to, they, they, were, they had rewritten it midweek. They were like, drive over to Warner Brothers now. Thank God I had nothing else to do. Oh, my God. I was babysitting my nephew. That, that manager I mentioned <laughs> came over to babysit my nephew. Oh, my God. was at work. I wow. was demanding my nephew. He was now 15. And I zipped over to Warner Brothers and walked in. Here's the other thing. I knew David Schwimmer way before Friends because he was the roommates of one of my really good friends. You know how we all yeah, yeah, know yeah. Mm-hmm. this Northwestern crew. And so that was helpful to have a familiar face there yeah. that you're not intimidated by. Yeah. Because that could have been a very intimidating uh, experience. And I don't know. I just, I guess I was ready. And, and Jennifer yeah, was so ready. nice. And, you know, it was, I'd done enough sitcoms. And I also remember, now that I think about it, I had that feeling of like, Make it or break it. You gotta yeah. sparkle, Neely sparkle. This is the yeah. Time. Yeah. But you did it in a way where it's like you didn't pull the scene, but you made the scene. Thank you. Come to, yeah, it was really. They also gave me the tag, which apparently, this is again sounds immodest, but I was the first guest star to ever do the tag. The tag is the thing at the end where the credits yeah, yeah, run yeah. over. And usually it's one of them. It's the first one or so they where told they gave me. it to a guest star. I was just me and the other guy, the other waiter talking. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, I I mean, I think it's good to know because I think that's a, another question that a lot of people have is like you have these, you I mean, you come onto a series like that where all these people have been working together so yes. closely. And that set, as you can imagine, the peak of its fame was was um, the most in t- metal detectors, very close set, very on lockdown. Those five guys, ladies wow, and gentlemen, had crazy. they had they were in charge. They were yeah. in charge. It wasn't like Will and Grace, where Jimmy Burroughs is. All four of them are obviously amazing, but James Burroughs, the director, was he was in charge. Yeah, it was yeah. Him and Max and David, of yeah, course. Yeah. Well, it, they found something that worked, so they're not gonna yeah mess with it. Um, I'm so sad that we're out of time because this has been amazing, and you Thank know you. we might come crawling back in a few months to beg you to we do will. another one. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Because I have so many more things I want to ask you. I just want to say though, at, like at the end of that whole conversation that we just had, my takeaway, my big takeaway from everything you just said that I love so much, and this actually came out when we were talking to Rob Zombie last week, who I know you know also Sam, yeah. is. I love the whole, like, no plan. Like, I love mm-hmm. that you came here and you, like, were like, I don't know, I started doing improv, and then that kind of turned into sketch, and we didn't, like, because I think so many of us feel when we come, like, I need to know exactly, and it's, you know, it all seems like it happened very organically, and Rob says the same thing. He's like, I didn't have a plan. I didn't right. know what the fuck I was doing. You know, I just got here and tried to tried to put one foot in front yeah. of the other, and it sounds like. Yeah. Well, I remember I had a psychic a long, long time ago, which was psychic in the 90s, and he was like, you're going to improvise your life. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I do a lot of improv, so I get that because I'd done enough then. He was like, no, 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 no. Your life is going to be improvised. You're only going to figure it out as you go along. Yeah. Which we all do to yeah, a degree. Yeah, of course. But, he, but he, I realize now what he, yeah. what he meant. Kind of the life of an actor. Yeah. yeah. Period. But I, I mean, you did know you want to be an actor. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's that kind of knew, like. But I mean, that that's po- what you That knew. passion overrode everything. Yeah. I think people think they're supposed to know, like, I want to do a yeah. TV show or I want to do like, got to just kind of, yeah. And the industry will show you what you're going to do. That's right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good point. Um, we love to end by asking you if you have any like LAisms, as we call it. Well, one th- yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I, it's probably anywhere, but I only learned it recently. Yeah, I heard it recently, and I realized I w- and I've been doing it, and I wish I'd done this as a kid when I first started, which was make friends with the hustle. Like, oh, you don't have to love the hustle because oh, yeah, 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 yeah. the hustle never stops. <laughs> this acting hustle or whatever yeah, your yeah. hustle is, it never stops. Make friends with the hustle. Yeah. 
because I back in the day, it. I was like, Ugh, I have to audition. <laughs> Why can't I just get this? Why do I? Now I'm like, I'm happy to audition. I'm happy that. to like to do all the crap you need to do to like write the one man show, put it up, keep the hustle going oh, instead of resent with the hustle. Yeah, it's That's it's going to be because it's going to be with you forever, even if yeah. you're. You know, Angelina Jolie or George Clooney, yeah. there it's all the hustle Maybe never especially stops. Especially if you're them. Maybe especially yeah. if you're them. Wow, I that's love a, that. that is so great. That's so good. Sam, thank you so much. This is amazing. It's been incredible. And by the way, if you want to hear more of Sam, which if you don't, you're a crazy person. Crazy. I know. <laughs> you're a dumb dumb. <laughs> um, if you do, you can catch more of him on his podcast called The Gasp with Geo Andy and Sam Pancake. And uh, it's on iTunes and podbean.com. And there's a new episode every Tuesday. Tuesday. (laughs) And it's awesome. It's awesome. All right. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Thanks, Camille.